while we're talking about cars, as we always do, don't put a spoiler on the Kia, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's not going to increase the value. <laughs> hey, podcast listener. Even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Yeah, buddy. Happy Thursday morning. It's the Tropical MBA Podcast. This one's called I Got My First Monies. What should I do now? Boss man, what should I do? This one's at tropicalmba.com slash monies. So uh, today we're going to talk about how to make money with money. Is that even possible? How you should uh, get to FU money, what even FU money means nowadays, all these kinds of things. But first, just a little bit of news. I heard you're going racing this weekend, boss, man. Again, still into that stuff. Going racing again, man. I'm losing all my monies. I'll tell you what. <laughs> first, you know, as, it, as if the weekends didn't cost enough, last time I was at Laguna Seca a couple weeks ago, man, this guy wrecked me hard. The, the thing about it, Mr. Joseph, if you're listening, Joseph, <laughs> is uh, Joseph was just down for the weekend doing a little practice at the regional race, races in MX-5 Cup, just down for the weekend, just decided to take three cars out. Thank you, Joseph, finishing 20th in every MX-5 Pro Cup race. Appreciate it. You're doing good up there, buddy. Just keep practicing. Keep practicing. Keep knocking us out. You speak in Chinese, buddy. I have no idea what you're talking about, but I'm glad that you have a platform so that you can you can just let this stuff out, man. Speaking of Chinese and and monies, I'm in Hong Kong right now, man. What a great city! I showed up at. A, for those of you who haven't been to Hong Kong yet, it satisfies your imagination. I showed up like really late at night, and I had a mini panic. I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm hungry. I'm not going to be able to eat. It's like midnight, and I was like, Wait a second, you're in Hong Kong. I walked around, man. It was. It's just like steaming noodles everywhere like guys guys sitting around in like wife beaters with toothpicks hanging out of their mouth like eating fishball soup and stuff it's like it's super cool i'm like that guy's probably a gangster he's probably a loan shark i mean i don't know <laughs> did, you, did you go to our spot i, I went to a, no i did it I wouldn't. Oh, do, I wouldn't do. Right. I wouldn't well, do that. That's good, man. You. That's our spot. That's right, yeah. man. I'm saving nice. that. Uh, also, you know, one thing I'm really excited about in terms of news, Ian, is the Juntos. Like, I didn't know I was coming to Hong Kong. I I went into the DC and tossed up. Hey, let's let's do a Hong Kong. You know, third Thursday. You know, let's meet at this pub. And five people at least have responded to me so far. Junt, Insta Junto in Hong Kong. So this this month, I think we have 20 cities worldwide where there's DCers getting together to hang out so man i'm really inspired there's i think you know what i'm seeing just on the ground the community of legit location independent entrepreneurs is exploding and that's not just people who listen to this podcast that's just a worldwide thing it's happening man you know co-working spaces popping up everywhere the opportunity to make wealth and i mean that's part of the reason we're talking about wealth today you know we're not talking about how to make two thousand dollars a month we're talking about how to make wealth and that's happening from macbook airs and starbucks coffee shops and it's crazy sauce and it's true it's crazy sauce crazy sauce that's what we're going to talk about let's play the bass walk and then listen to the phone call we got uh, from listener johnny fd Hey, what's up, Dan and Ian? This is Johnny FC from Travel Like a Boss podcast. When I started listening to you guys a year ago, uh, for motivation, I was completely broke and 
never made more than $200 a month online. Now I'm breaking into cash thanks to a lot of the help from you guys and the motivation from the community and the DC. And now I have no idea what to do. I'm making more than enough to live out in Thailand and more than enough to travel and basically do whatever I want. I feel like I can grow and scale my businesses a lot more, but I don't really have the motivation to do it. Uh, I've been documenting my journey on my blog, johnnyfd.com, and in one year I went from you know, really just living as cheaply as possible to now you know, kind of just traveling like a boss. The next step, I'm at a loss for. So any advice that you guys have, I'd greatly appreciate that. Thank you. Bye, guys. All right, Johnny. Th- thanks so much for uh, giving us a voicemail question. We're going to just stick right into this one. Also, we got a question from listener Matthew Paulson about what do we do to invest our cash? I think we'll loop around to that at the end of the episode. E. General disclaimer, of course, we are not financial planning consultants. Thank God. You don't have your FPS? Is that what they call it? Is that, there's some acronym. It like, sounds like you're a doctor, but you're just a financial planner. What I don't have it? a customer rewards card from Nordstrom. Let's put it that way. This isn't things that we are experts in. These are just opinions that are sort of like hard won from the ground from our entrepreneurial friends and our entrepreneurial mindset. It's not like, hey, you know, get this 401k or whatever. I don't know that stuff. So take it for what it is. It is what it is. By the way, I'm going to link over to this Quora thread that uh, Joe Magnotti from the Empire Flipper sent me, Ian. It's got some really interesting answers from a 22-year-old who asked, how should I invest my money? Lots of more the traditional complex stuff, Ian, like, you know, assume you make 10% a year, put it in this index fund, blah, blah, blah. We're not going to talk about that stuff. If you're interested in putting 10% in an index fund, Go for it. That seems to me pretty marginal, and that's not the 80-20 of this stuff. So we're just going to just jump right into what I see as the 80-20 of what to do with your money. So number one, Ian, the biggest investment decision you can make – you ready for this? We have a drum roll sound effect. The biggest investment decision that you can make is what is your primary business? I know this is crazy talk, but but hang with me for a second. Johnny mentioned in his phone call the issue of motivation – And I think that that's critical because the long-term implications of how you spend your time and choosing a long-term life project, so to speak, that captivates your passion and energy and effort for a lifetime is the single most important decision you can make. And I hear this from – this isn't just a thing coming from a broke hustler. I'm hearing this from – some of my very wealthy friends and mentors saying things like, look, making money from your business is a lot easier from making money from your money. I understand that, you know, and that's why people ask questions about how to make money from money, you know, because it's tough. Yeah. You know, you can't, you can't get the 10% return automatic anymore. That's not happening. It is tough. You can't do time deposits for 6% anymore. That's just not happening. So if you want to become a full-time investor and figure out what people should do to make 6% a year, that can maybe be something that captivates your full-time energy and, and focus. But look, it's a lot easier to make money from your business than it is to make money from your money. Yeah, Dan, we have a serious history of this being the case with us, at least so far in our careers. It's like we can figure out a million ways to deploy cash in our business and make good returns on it. We're having a very hard time deploying cash outside of our business in general, 
new businesses, uh, investments, things like that, that will outpace what we can do within our platform. And I think that's the power of a platform, Dan. And and what we built so far is that it's it's a really powerful vehicle for for cash. Yeah. But uh, I think as we you know as we get more experience, we might get better at it. But right now, very bad at it. It's one where your leadership counts. I mean, you even see this with like relatively large entities like Apple Computer. People say, look, the leadership there counts. It matters who's in charge. And so the implication is in, in smaller enterprises like the ones that we're running, your leadership counts. And that's precisely the kind of investment that you want. I mean, think about even a relatively small return. I mean, people, you know, you go into this Quora thread and you see people saying, oh, if you put your, you know, 20% of the money you would put in your 401k and like this type of account and it returns 10%, which you have no control over, like over a million trillion years, like if, as long as humans don't go extinct, you'll have this kind of money. Well, think about that in the context of a small business, even if you have 15% year over year growth, which is something that, I mean, basically for a small business, that means as the CEO, you got out of bed in the morning. I mean, so choose something that gets you out of bed. 15% year over year, that's an impressive – I mean, that, that starts to look like a hockey stick after a while. It starts to look pretty good. I don't know if it quite gets <laughs> the hockey stick territory. But the point is, is that's a great return. Your leadership counts. It's long ball, man. And so if you're willing to look at Quora threads and say, oh, yes, I'm going to you know, invest for the next 35 years, why won't you do it with your time? Why won't you invest in a skill set? in a project, in a view, in a way of approaching the world. And this is an argument, I guess, in general for lifestyle businesses. You know, choose a long-term trajectory for yourself that you're willing to manage, that you can see that mediocre of 15% year over year. The 15%, which is, is going to add up. I mean, Ian, we've seen basically 100% every year since we've started our business. Is that about right? Maybe we had one year where it kind of knocked back a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's been it's been pretty impressive. I think a uh, thing to note here, Dan, too, is while we're talking about cars, as we always do, don't put a spoiler on the Kia, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's not going <laughs> to increase the value. <laughs> Yeah, make sure you make sure you pick the right investment vehicle here. Okay, so let's let's loop this back to Johnny's question then. So, you know, we have four points here, but the first one, the implication I think for Johnny is, all right, you got some money, Johnny, from a great opportunity that you capitalized on. I would use the money to start uh, investing in myself in a skill set, in a project, in a new business enterprise that leverages my interests, leverages my passion. Is something that I'm willing to wake up to every morning for the next five years. That's honestly what I would do. I think that's the best investment you can make. I think it's better than Charles Schwab. I'm crazy about it. I, I'm serious about that. I think that's 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 the, my advice. Yeah, I agree with that, and I think I, I agree with the five year plan too. It doesn't even come with the transaction fee. You know, free advice. It's a, yeah, <laughs> it's the same thing that uh, the 22 year old got on Quora, which is like, look, if you want to make 10 percent returns on your money. It's going to take you until you're 62, until you're a millionaire, right? And it's the same thing with this business stuff. Like, if you want to make 10, 15, 20, 30% on your money, you got to make sure that you're in it for the long haul, right? Because the plan where you invest in index funds, that's a long haul investment. Like the one that we're laying out right here, you know, five, 10, 15 years in a small business. And I think that you can achieve some amazing things. One or two years, haven't seen it done yet. Number two, disassociate. Your personal income from your business income. This is an important strategy for building long-term wealth. One of the biggest pieces of advice that I have a money mentor, and you know him. Monies or money? He's, well, I'm ambitious, so I say monies. You know, the plural. Okay. 
I say monies. I got a monies mentor. I got a monies mentor. And this guy, I mean, the biggest piece of advice is don't spend your money. You know, money is like a, a, a grease pig. It's so easy to slip through your hands, Ian. It's so hard to get your hands on. And that dynamic is difficult for us humans to understand, especially this human. And, and I think the one of the biggest pieces of advice is when you finally take that money out of your business and chunk it into your personal bank account, which we're going to talk about that distinction, do not spend your money. This is advice that I think we're going to come back to. Johnny, don't spend your money, man. Don't spend your money. You know, how many different ways we got to say it? Deals are like buses. You know, another one's coming. You don't need to deploy that money. You don't need to get out there and do it again. But what do you mean, Ian? This is something that you're really passionate about. Why do you feel like it's so important? And how do you distinguish between personal and business income? Do you remember in the beginning of our business, Dan, when we sat in the back of the taxi when we were in China and we counted podiums and we're like, all right, we only got to sell X amount of podiums and we can each buy a Porsche? Do you remember I do. That? That's I guess after yeah. all we've laid out on this show, it's not really that embarrassing. It, it's pretty embarrassing, <laughs> but I mean, that was our mindset at 26 or whatever it was way back in the day. I think I learned a lesson there because that money never made it to a Porsche, right? It always got reinvested in the business because we always wanted to see this thing grow into something bigger than what we were working on the day before. And I think some people, you know, they'll get it to a point where they're happy with it and they're comfortable and they'll start peeling off cash for themselves. And I think that that's okay. We've been very heavy in reinvesting in our business, Dan, because it's gotten us these returns that we've been really happy with that we can't get other places. But in terms of the business, you know, disassociating personal income from business income, you know, a lot of small business owners, when they make money at the end of the year, they say, oh, I made $250,000. That goes directly into their bank account and they don't see that as a vehicle to reinvest back in their business. And I think that's really important. Um, so at the end of the year, depending on how you do your taxes and all this stuff, you know, I try and look at the money that the business makes and I try and think about how, like we said in point number one, we can redeploy it back into the business. So I don't even look at it as personal income yet. I say, what can we do with this money to reinvest it to make something bigger? And that's the point here is disassociating right. the income that your business makes from your personal income. And there will be a point where you decide, hey, you know, I've I'm not getting great returns. I've, I've already invested a lot in my business. Sure. At this point, I have to make some money. And that's okay. And then that's personal income. You know, one of the things that I do, Dan, in, in this mindset, because it does take a little bit of discipline, is like, in my mind, I've always been poor. Yeah, like I might eat a little bit better. I might have business class. You know, I might uh, do some of these things. But in my mind, I'm still poor. And if, I, if, if mentally I'm poor, then I don't expect much. Buddy. And that allows me to to keep funneling this money back into the business. Oh, buddy, you, you've totally up-leveled your lifestyle. Do you remember we were on a strategy call a couple days ago and you were bugging me to finish up my grand vision speech because Whole Foods is about ready to close? <laughs> Dude, jo- I, Joseph. That's like a $13 Joseph just dollar my spec Miata to the, to the tune of $4,500. I'd say I've definitely up, up-leveled my life. Thank you, Joseph, for, for pushing me into that decision. <laughs> But uh, in general, on the on a day to day basis, look, I, I do try to live poor. Yeah. So here's the thing: it, sometimes, and you got to think about this with your primary venture. If you're making a bunch of profit, profitability is the sign for for reinvestment a lot of times, right? So if you're looking for places to spend your money or to deploy your cash, and you know you got a great profitability from your business, it's right in front of you. 
And it's, yeah, it's a risk. It's tricky, right? Because like part of you wants to say, well, I would love to put that money in my bank account or I would love to, you know, have, have that Porsche. But if you're making 100 grand a year off of your business and putting it all in your personal bank account, the investment opportunity is right under your nose. Yeah. Profitability is just a green flag for investment. Assuming, you know, you didn't take advantage of some market loophole that year. Okay, number three, let's get on to something a little bit more controversial, Ian. And I'll say this. Beating inflation is a waste of time. It's a waste of time. It's a middle class trope that handed down to us by an army of mid-level bureaucrats and salespeople for investment banks and stockbrokers and all this kind of like it's propaganda, th- man. It's propaganda. I, I totally – I mean there's a million ways we can attack this issue. I know it's controversial. It's just one of those things. It's almost like – I don't necessarily feel like we need to get into the mechanics of this. But to me, it's almost like the advice of like just go to college or just invest in mutual funds and 401. It, it's like you can't really go wrong. In, in our society by telling people they need to do something with their cash to beat inflation. But if we're right about the power of small businesses and about what we just said, then it's total waste of time for you to be beating something that's, you know, only happening a couple percentage points a year. Well, well, if we're right about what we just said in points number one and two, it will beat inflation. So we don't have to worry about it. But you know, people say like, oh, you got all that cash in your bank account. Like, aren't you worried about inflation? Well, here's what I think about inflation. Yes, the television is going to cost more next year than it did this year. Yes, the cost of fish went up 1.2%. And that's real. The cost of fish, I think, did go up 1.2% last year. But a lot of these things that are inflating, they're, they're consumables. Yes. So that means if you invest in them now, they're not going to be any good two or three years from now. Yes. Anyways, right? So there's very few things that aren't consumables that will retain their value and that will increase in value that work along the lines of inflation. So, and those are those are a risk a lot of times, you know? Like some of those things can yes. be property, some of those things can be real estate. Hey, those aren't sure shots these days, you know? So what we're talking about here is parking your money your monies in things so you don't have to worry about inflation. Well, I'll tell you what, Dan. I think I would rather have my money in cash, most of my money in in, in cash when we're talking about versus uh, inflation than I would worry about inflation because then I got the opportunity to to handle deal flow. You know what I mean? Yes. When deals come across the table, I have the opportunity to participate in that. I'm, I'm not wrapped up in a bunch of other things because I'm trying to outpace 1.2% inflation every year. Yeah, I mean, look at like, I mean, imagine if you would take like the standard advice of let's put 70% of my cash wealth into the marketplace in 2006 because everything's gravy and I'm going to make sure I'm diversified and all this kind of stuff that people tell you. I mean, look, I feel like you've got a limited upside. I mean, of course, that's liquid, so that's cool. But all of a sudden, 2008 rolls around and that's just put in half, you know, and you have a limited upside. And you're exposing yourself to a lot of risk when you do that. If you want to invest in the market, these guys will tell you the market's been going up for the past 100 years. Yes, there's been some dips overall up. And I think that's okay. It, it all depends on when when you get in and when you get out, right, Dan? I mean, it really does. But if you're getting in the market to outpace inflation, I, I don't know about that. People say, you know, if you haven't ha- – that's true over the last 100 years. But if you hadn't had your money in the marketplace in one of like six 
days than you wouldn't have realized the upside. And you could have just as easily been exposing yourself to the downside. So I, you know, it just seems like uh, – have you read Flash Boys yet, Michael Lewis's new book? <laughs> it's a great read about how the whole system basically rigged anyway. I mean, look, we're not in control of this stuff. When's the last time you met somebody that was like, yeah, you know, putting my money in the stock market and I'm rich off of it? It's just not how people build wealth. It's it's one of these things that like everybody always says is it's the conventional wisdom behind it that makes me worry about it. To be honest, you know, even when you go back and look at thinkers like Mark Cuban, uh, a lot of my friends that you know they're wealthy, they are not heavily invested in the stock market anymore. Our boy Andrew Carnegie says, put all your eggs in one basket. I think that basket is your primary small business enterprise. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm to you. So let's just let's move on to the fourth point. I'm interested to hear what the listeners think about this outpacing inflation stuff, but I'm just, I'm just over it. You know, I'd rather put the money in cash and then invest it in like a, an asset that I find deeply interesting, whether that's a, a piece of property, a pig farm, or the next small business. That's complementary to my portfolio. The, so the 80-20 principle, Johnny, of all this is, is the simplicity of this, the simplicity of things if you have under 1 million monies. I'll say this. So if, look, this episode, if you have over a million monies, probably this episode, of course, you have to make your own decisions at that point. You're probably thinking internationalization. You know, you're probably thinking things. I say if you have over, under 1 million monies, I think a small business focus is the number one thing to do with your cash. That is, have a portfolio of small businesses, okay? And that means that you're not taking 500,000 of it and spreading it out over a bunch of stock securities, bonds, and index funds. It means you're taking 500,000 of it and putting it in one or two currencies, sitting it there, and waiting for the deal to come along and add the next great small business that's going to have 100% year-over-year growth to your portfolio. Yes. And, of course, do your, do your retirement fund oh, yeah. thing. I'm all about that. For, for sure. Do, you know, max out 401k, Roth, do all that stuff. But this is – I've called this since day one the war chest theory. And this is a theory that I've, you know, derived from Mark Cuban and personal money's mentors. And it's that this is all a distraction – um, and again, if, if, it's, if it's true that our focus counts, um, our, you know, having a portfolio that captivates your best energy and attention counts, then focusing on that portfolio is the best cash investment you can make. So stick the money in the bank, keep it there, build out your small business portfolio, and make sure it's one that you love, that inspires you over the course of the long term. That's it. Is it, is it too simple of a punchline to even have an episode about it? I don't know. These are all good thoughts, Dan. And I think at, at every different level of wealth, I think that you have different opinions about these things. And so, you know, I'm happy to share share our opinions at this point, you know, but I think everybody's got to make their own decisions about this stuff. But I do like this idea that if you've got under $1 million in monies, you should bet on yourself and you should bet on your business. Now, if yourself means that you understand, uh, like our buddy Simon, if you if you understand a lot about how these markets work, and you're very good at it, and you've done it for a long time, by all means, play the market, man. Do it. Yes. Read The Intelligent Investor and, and, and go for it, man. That's a business. Yeah, that's a business. Treat it like a business. If you're going to be an investor, absolutely. Go be an investor. There are people that are deeply passionate about it. I don't like the idea of saying, you know what? I don't care about investing that much, but I trust these other guys to care about it, so I'm going to give them my money. And, you know what I mean? I, I don't dig that. I'm not into that. And so, the other thing that's the other thing that's dangerous along these lines, Dan, we talked about this before, is the lottery mentality, right? The lottery yeah. mentality exists in the middle class. So tempting. 
and it's so tempting, man, because you don't have the upside of the business, right? It's like the, you know, I have a friend who's an oral surgeon and he gets all excited when he, you know, pumps out of work and he's like, I just bought Microsoft. Did you see what happened in the newspaper about Microsoft? It's going to happen with Microsoft. And I'm thinking to myself, you're an oral surgeon, bro. Like all the money, you're sitting on all the money. So th- is this really about you building wealth or is this about you're bored with oral surgery stuff? Right. Exactly. Because uh, if you're passionate about oral surgery, like go open up exactly. clinics, license it out. You know, do, do start a thing, marketing business that, that helps oral surgeons, blah, blah, blah. Of course, like that's where the money is. That's where the wealth is. So Matthew Paulson asks us, how do you guys invest your cash? Boss, man, what are you doing with the cash? Of course, the punchline, how do I invest my cash? I don't. I have, my cash is invested in this business. Now, that said, we are going to be adv- developing an investment thesis because within the next year, Ian, we're going to add another business to our portfolio. And uh, we're going to do that with some of our listeners. So we're going to start a little investment club and uh, see how that goes. So Yeah, we're trying to work out the details of that. I think that that's, that's going to be interesting. All right. So you know, not to get too deep into this, but I mean, there's some other guys out there that are that are kind of working on the same problem, Dan. It's a real problem. It's a real problem. I don't want to minimize it by saying just focus on your business, call it a day. For sure. I mean, if you've got a million bucks sitting around or half a million bucks, you want to do something with it, right? And so I think, you know, developing a portfolio of small businesses is one of the best things you can do. And it's a legitimate question is how do you do that? Well, okay. So like I was saying, there's a couple guys that I know of that I've talked to that are trying to address these different situations. So, um, you know, if you're Paul Graham, it's like, no problem. It's like, uh, you know, you just throw some money around and you say, we're going to do big things. And, you know, he's like the new, he's like the new investment banker guy, right? He's like getting all these young guys to work for him and everything. It's, it's brilliant, right? Yeah. If you're us and uh, you don't have that much money and you're looking to invest in these other companies that aren't going to have, you know, huge IPOs, it's like, what do you do? And I think that's what we're trying to figure out right now is like, so what does an investment strategy look at like a bootstrapper's level, you know? Yes. I think that that's really interesting, man, because you take businesses like ours, Dan, like we had some investment when we first started our business. We had a third partner, right? And that turned out really well, but it took eight years to mature. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a standard run for VCs too. I mean, you know, if you want to get into the VC business, it's kind of like a 10-year marriage at least. So I don't know. I, I think there might be an opportunity, Ian, and I'm just kicking around here, to develop, to train a, a general portfolio manager on a certain treatment or thesis that you give to small online assets and properties. So say your treatment would be email marketing. So you would go out and develop a small portfolio of businesses that are under-leveraging email marketing but are great businesses. And you buy the businesses, put them under the, you know, the, the management of the portfolio manager, and you apply your email marketing treatment to that business, therefore increasing the value of the asset uh, year over year. That's my thought. It's possible that you could kind of get that passion into the business through an operator and have the same operator operating a few very similar businesses. Yeah. Now, of course, like the questions about equity and exits and all this stuff, like very unclear. But I do think that there's a there's an opportunity there. I don't think there's any question about equity. 100 percent, buddy. 100 <laughs> percent. I can't handle this tossing on equity stuff. It's so complicated. Since we didn't get too academic, we're going to link to some academic thinkers, some people who've done it. These are guys who have uh, actually done it. 
Uh, you can read how uh, their strategies for building wealth, these are ones that I think are in line with TMBA-type thinking. We'll link to Mark Cuban, Felix Dennis, Paul Graham, Mr. Money Mustache, your favorite blogger, and Ray Dalio, manager of one of the largest hedge funds in the world, even though we don't think you should give him your money necessarily. All right, Ian. Whew. All this talking about money has gotten me excited to get back to that small business. What do you say we do some rap and reviews before we get out of here? What, what have you chosen this week? All right, buddy. Glad you came back for more and uh, glad you asked. This week we got All Now by the Nappy Roots. Some southern rap for you, brother. Yeah. I love this one. This week we got a, this week we got a one-star review. All tangents, no real content to learn from. I love some of the old articles in the TNBA, especially the ones about how to hustle. But I listened to three or four of these podcasts and gave up on them. The show is just one tangent after another, after only about five minutes of each show being about what they promised to talk about. I just got tired of sitting around for 40 minutes of the show and only getting to five minutes of actual applicable content. Wow. You know what else he says in here is, I really like the, the first articles that you guys wrote. So I was excited to know that you guys uh, had a podcast. Yeah, since 2009. Like, where have you been? Maybe maybe listen to the, the worst three. Maybe our latest ones are the worst ones, man. Come on. Well, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing. I think there's podcasts are not necessarily the greatest way to get actionable content. And, you know, I don't know. I, I go back and forth. Like, a lot of times these are like, they're infotainment. They're, sometimes they're just flat out entertainment. Sometimes it's just a, a little bit of a kick in the butt. Or sometimes it's... You're hearing about something you didn't even think to hear about. Maybe it's not actionable, but it actually gets you moving. So, but you, but you know what they always are. Dan? They're always incompetently produced by Thursday. They're they're that, and they're always they're always free, man. That's the thing about they're it. Always, they're always free. Five stars from the great country of Canada. D. Pierce says, "Can't say enough." Go on, good sir. I've been listening to one to three episodes per day for the past couple months. Every episode inspires confidence, creativity, and holds me accountable for getting shit done. If these guys are not in your weekly arsenal of knowledge, you are seriously missing out on potentially the best delivery of this information out there. All right, from Hacker News, as a certified mega fan, currently listening to 225 of 239. Do we need, I mean, that's good. impressive. Your brain must be mush. Good Lord. Oh my gosh, if you're interested in hijacking systems, you'll love this podcast. Things like geographical arbitrage while bootstrapping, baselining, boom, 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 value, value, value. Well, thank you very much from Hacker News. Got an email from Casey. I'm not sure if you remember, but about a year ago, I sent you an email on how I quit my, how I planned to quit my job, moved to Rio, drink some beers. I just gave my work a month's notice. I leave for Brazil on June 12th. I just wanted to thank you for all the motivation and work towards a location independent job, tips, advice, and motivation your podcast has given me over the last couple of years. Congratulations. Brandon from viralblogcontent.com. Really loving the Dynamite Circle. It's absolutely the best business-related investment I've ever made. By the way, Dan, the one-star reviewer, he said that we mention our membership site too much. Do you think he's referring to the Dynamite Circle? I think circle? he's talking about the Dynamite Circle. Dynamite Circle, Dynamite Circle. First, the DC. Dan, I wanted to let you know uh, that my discovery of the TMBA in DC was perhaps the biggest landmark in my business and life last year. Woo! Before, I was semi-satisfied with being around 2K a month in online business, resting on my laurels and escaping the rat race. And I discovered you guys and realized that it was suppressing my ambition 
for a big business. In other words, hearing you guys find these concepts reawakened my type A syndrome, and now I'm more determined than ever to do big things. That's from uh, an email. Receiving some wonderful emails from DCers and TMBs. Sometimes I don't get around to asking them if we can say their names, so I just, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the ethics are on this. Hey, topic. bottom line is uh, we're super happy to get. I know. Thank you for sharing yeah. the love. Thank yeah. you so much for sending in the emails, the comments, not the one-star reviews. We appreciate all the other ones besides <laughs> that. The voicemails, keep it up, please. I, I love the I love criticism. Actually, just I don't like the one-star reviews on the public thing, but I'm all about it. Just hearing, hey, you guys should clean up your act. I'm all about that. I want to keep it tight, buddy. Hey, speaking of keeping it tight, we got a new segment this week. <laughs> You wrote this. <laughs> <laughs> can I say it? All right, this can. next yeah, yeah this next it. section is called uh, "Shit Dan Uses But He Won't Use Six Months From Now," other otherwise known as the Quick Tips. Uh, this week it's going to be a little app called Jump Cut. It's really simple. I'll link to it it's for Mac OS. All it does, Ian, is it saves the last thirty items that you cut copied onto your clipboard. I guess this is a fairly common sort of app. I find that it saves my buns quite a bit when I'm doing things like spreadsheets or, you know, say you're mass emailing people and then you like cut, cut and copy something else and then you're like, oh, I missed the, you know, the big thing that I cut and copied. So jump cut basically saves the last 30 things you put on your clipboard so you have them right there at your disposal. Uh, all Sounds like a very effective tool for the next six months. <laughs> <laughs> Long ball, buddy. <laughs> this one's at tropicalfva.com slash monies. We thank you for your questions. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning. 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.